Okay, a Bleach Fandom Community Podcast brought to you by Dr. Hollow's Brainwashing Shampoo. It's sure to be a hair-raising experience. My name is Lethen, and today I'm joined by Naomi. Heya! And Sheeny. Hello! Sheeny, this is the first time I think you and I have been on a podcast together, isn't it? It is, it's exciting. Yeah, because I think the ones I've, I've heard you being part of before, it's always been Dale that's been hosting them. Yes, it has. I'm excited. This will be fun. Yes, it will. <laughs> uh, so we've got two stacked episodes to get through. So will we take it away with those sweet episode recaps? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So in episode 49, Rukia's Nightmare, we travel back in time to Rukia's early days as an unseated officer in the 13th Division, where we meet the very expressive Shiba Kayan, the lieutenant of the 13th, and his wife, the lovely Miyako. After a mission that leaves Miyako hurt and feeling not quite herself, why, you ask? Oh, because of the creepy hollow possessing her, that's why. Kayan soon goes out for revenge, challenging the hollow, only to get possessed himself, leaving poor Rukia with no choice but to end the hollow's life, but also ending Kayan's, leaving nothing but memories and his heart. Yeah, good cheers. <laughs> That's that. Yeah, that. Anyway, okay. Let's just let's just go into episode fifty-one. <laughs> episode fifty-one. Morning of the sentence. Kenpachi races through the streets of the Serete with Orihime and Jachiro on his back like an oversized taxi, but he runs straight into Captains Komomora and Captain Tozen. After vowing to defeat them and their lieutenants, Yomichika and Ikaku step in to help. This leaves Kenpachi just to fight with the captains. We see all the other captains and lieutenants begin to make their way toward the Sokyoku for Rukia's execution. Meanwhile, Renji leaves the underground training arena where Ichigo is still training. This leads us to believe that Renji has obtained Bankai while Ichigo still works on his, but will he make it in time? That is the question. Love these cliffhangers. They've (laughs) great with them. Oh, I know. Uh, cliffhangers all the time. That's why I was glad I like bought that anime in mass. Then I wouldn't have to sit and wait. Cliffhangers are great, and then you get a filler episode next. Oh, that's uh, the worst thing, and that's why we're skipping them on our podcast. Yeah, hallelujah. They just drain the life. They drain the life, and I I think they disrupt the story sometimes as well because you were so into something, and then it takes you straight out, and you're like, "Whoa, what's happening now?" Like. What's going on here? Like I thought this person was there and that person, what? What's happening? And then you can't remember what happened. Yeah, you're just like, oh. <laughs> yes. You're just yes. making me wait by throwing this miscellaneous sin. Why? It was building up. And then, oh, we'll be back after these filler episodes instead of these messages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, though, you know, because a lot of them are, st- they're very loosely based on canon. Like, we say filler, but usually they're, because Kubo done a sketch somewhere or, you know, a little bit of a mini comic somewhere in his manga. So a lot of these episodes, I'm talking about the episode fillers, they're based off of something Kubo's done, but he's not put enough content in there for it to be an episode. Take it out! (laughs) (laughs) It's like you're just trying to fill your 30-minute slot. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So we've got episode 49 then. There's so much that happens in this episode. Finally... Finally, we are getting to see the gentleman who everybody has been mistaking Ichigo for. Yes. Who is this Kayan of which Rukio was saying? Is that okay, Kayan, in the earlier episodes? What should I do, Kayan? Now we know who he is. Yes, yes. And we also get to see the scene where Rukia, because we had that flashback, didn't we, where Ichigo was fighting Grand Fisher, and we heard yes. Rukia get that flashback of someday, and we knew that it was potentially our captain at the time, telling her, you know, there are two types of fights, and there's one for honour and pride, and Rukia, that was the reason why Rukia didn't interfere in Ichigo's battle with Grand Fisher. So now we're yes. getting the backflash of that. Yes, yes. And it's it's great, because a fun little tidbit is that, you know, that episode back then was of course memories in the rain and now this one is also another part of memories in the rain it's actually called memories in the rain in the manga so it's got that whole link to it as well again well, alluding to the whole poetic links rain in the soul society can we just appreciate how good kubo's storytelling was here that we got a little nuggets of everything throughout 
yeah leading all the way up to this like how impressive that is like he will plant a seed and then he will wait 50 fucking years to let it germinate (laughs) And, and i'm saying that because i'm also i've been noticing as we've been watching this little seeds that have been planted for thousand year blood war Mm-hmm. And we can't even talk about anything like that because it's not been released. No. But I'm like, 50 no. fucking years later, Kubo. <laughs> He's like waiting for it to grow into some giant oak tree or something. I don't know. Yeah, tell yeah. me about it. So these ones, we're, we're starting to get the little wrap-ups, aren't we, of these little these these little nuggets that have been planted already. So Kayan, did we think he looks like Ichigo? Hmm. Mm. I mean, I guess I can see where some people might reference that, but to me, I personally see them as separate beings. To me, I mean, I mean, I guess with the spiky hair or something, perhaps, but yeah. I still see Rukia uh, seeing Kyan as Kyan and Ichigo as Ichigo, personally. But that's just me. Kyan's very, like, he's very expressive. Like, his, he's got some amazing facial expressions. <laughs> Which is quite similar to Ichigo as well, it, though, isn't it? It is, yeah. I, I can see it in Ichigo's hair. Not the colour, obviously, but the, the hairstyle yeah. and I think the jawline. I can see where mm-hmm. people were getting that, you know, where Kyan and Ichigo look similar thing from. I can, now that you mentioned it, I can see it in the jawline too. Yeah. And I think it's also his personality, his desire to protect. Like, he rushed in there because he felt like he had this kind of duty to avenge his wife. But also, as he had this duty as the lieutenant to go and avenge all the other members of that squad that died as well. I know, that got my heart, man. He he was just so loyal to his squad Mm -hmm. and everything. I mean, he, he was a real good lieutenant. I loved him as a as like a character. Like see the scene where Rukia comes in, we could tell that she's like she she's sick of hearing everybody talk about her like she's this princess, this pompous princess who got to bypass the exams and and then he walks in and he just like demands respect from her and she's just like finally this is what I needed, like a normal I just wanted to be treated normal and, and he's doing that with me and it oh it was so good. Yeah. He's just treating me like any other um, squad member, and yes, that that is what she's been waiting for the whole time. She was tired of hearing the gossip, tired of hearing, oh, she's handed ev- handed everything, oh, this, oh, that, and then here comes along someone higher in the squad, someone who actually whose opinion should actually m- matter compared to these other s- soldiers or squad mates or whatever, who actually treats her as a person. So I think that also uh, really means a whole lot to her from that standpoint. It's not just some regular person saying this or that or the other thing. This is someone in the hierarchy recognizing her as anyone else in the squad. As a subordinate, yeah. yeah. We say that, though, but I'm pretty sure like, mm-hmm. she's not the only unseated officer of the 13th, yet she was around the captain and the lieutenant a lot more than any other. So there was, a, there was a still a sense of how many kind of unseated officers got one-on-one training with the lieutenant and I... got to be in that kind of situation with them. So I'm going to draw this right, right, right back to... The, the big the big bugbear that I have is that Rukia's spiritual pressure was much larger than Renji's when they were children. And I wonder if, you know, Captain Ukitaki and uh, Lieutenant Kayan, if they're both recognising Rukia's potential and that's why they're spending a lot of time personally training her. Mm-hmm. That Take and her under course, their wing. Yeah, that and of course she's the main character, one of the main characters of the show. So obviously she's got that <laughs> that badge on her uniform. <laughs> yes, but also she's awesome. So let's... Yeah. Let's face it, she's awesome. <laughs> but I, I do think they have recognized potential in her. Yes. I don't I don't think they would have just just randomly plucked someone out of nowhere and just spend the time bringing them along, taking them, training them. They must see something in her, and it's not just because of her status. It's because she has promise. She has an ability to become a good Shinigami. And I think both Kitake and Kayan saw that in her and that's why they brought her along that's why they had her with them and like you said Lethan 
she had greater spiritual pressure than um, Renji did. So no doubt that the captain and the lieutenant would recognize her great amount of spiritual pressure and would want to help her train and learn how to harness that to become a useful member of the squad. And yet she... She she goes to her brother, doesn't she? And she says that she wasn't given a seated position because of her skills and 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 level of ability. And I wonder if maybe what Dell said all those episodes ago about a bit of self sabotage mm. was starting to happen with Rookie, where maybe she was believing that she wasn't good enough, and maybe that's why the lieutenant and captain are spending time with her to make her realize that no, actually, she is. Because I felt like Rookie has gone through a bit of a journey here, hasn't she? In her youth, she was so confident in her abilities and in what she could do and standing up for herself. And then she seemed to go through this rut in the academy, but has come out the other end now and seems to be finding a bit more of herself herself again. Yeah. It seems like she was what she had before she went into the academy was slowly drained out of her, I guess. Actually hearing what all these people were saying and all just maybe it just started getting to her because i guess in the rukong guy she didn't have all these people you know saying things about her oh they're from here or they're or this or that because they were all from the same place then she's brought into this new world so to speak the academy and let's face it a lot of the people in the academy are from better places than her and renji were so I mean, and considering, unfortunately, how people can be judgmental or anything like that, then they see them come in. Well, unfortunately, isn't it kind of what people do when they see people like that talk about them or things like that, unfortunately, and say not so nice things? So that probably kind of wore on her and maybe wore away some of the confidence we saw earlier on. Yeah. And then... Okitaki, as you say, Kitaki and Kain come in and they kind of, they're trying to nurture that back into her and make her have that confidence again. Although I'm pretty sure she's not going to have that same amount of confidence after what happens at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, no. Just the was building, it got crushed again. Yeah. But I mean, it's there. And she had that nice relationship and she looked up to, not only looked up to Kain, but she also looked up to Miyako as well. And really nice to have that kind of couple um, figure, both of them just looking out for her as well, the third seat as well as the lieutenant, which was really nice. I know, see yes. the scene where Miyako turns up and wipes Rukia's face. I'm just like, mm-hmm. it's so oh, cute. No. So cute. <laughs> yeah, my heart just went out to that. I'm like, oh. I would have been happy if, see if the, the anime wanted to make filler episodes out of this, like see out of these flashbacks, like just having more scenes of these three together. Mm-hmm. I'd have been happy with that, but then it would have ripped my heart right right out of my chest. <laughs> yeah, see, ripped it out, stomped on yeah. it. Shat on it, pissed on it, everything <laughs> else, like, honestly. <sighs> Ran it over with the bulldozer. <laughs> Stepped on it again. Yeah, but then steel can, we boots. Also, can we also think about, like, how big a deal it was then for Rukia to let Ichigo fight battles by himself when she's already had to watch somebody do something like this before. Mm. Like That just shows so much more of her character and how protective she was of Ichigo, but at the same time she's remembered and retained these lessons that her captain told her about, about the, you know, there are battles to defend honour and battles to save lives. And battles to defend pride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you, you see how she grew from that standpoint, you know, like a protective standpoint, but also, like you said, she grew from the lessons that she learned as well. Granted, she might have learned that lesson in a somewhat traumatic experience, but nonetheless, she still learned the lesson and took that with her. Cabbages. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> the, the silence was the perfect spot for it. I'm sorry. <laughs> fine. Uh, um, but thinking back on previous episodes, can we ch- shift the attention to Ganju for a second? Go for it. Yes. Because we know that Ganju has lost a brother. Mm-hmm. And yes. we know that, um, you know, do we know this? No, I'm confused. Yeah, no, no, no. I think we do. I think we I do think know we this. Can piece it all together now. Yeah, yeah, we can piece it together that this, like the brother that he's lost, 
was Cayenne. Yeah. Yes. And so the Shinigami that killed Ganju's brother is the very Shinigami that he's going off to save. Yes, so we actually got that, didn't we? Because he, we... when they turn up to save Rukia and he sees her for the first time, he says, this is the soul reaper that killed my yes. brother. So we're now finally getting that full circle Story. as well. We're seeing who this mysterious brother is, the circumstances behind his death. And we can see that although Ganju thinks that Rukia killed his brother, Rukia didn't actually kill him in cold-blooded murder. It was more of a no. sense of she saved him more than killed him. Yeah. But here's the thing. She doesn't realize that at the moment. No. She still very much is guilty, feeling guilt and, and feeling shame for it, isn't she? Mm-hmm. She's blaming herself because she feels like she she did it to protect herself, not help him. That's where she's coming from right now. Yeah. And that's where all that guilt stems, stems from. But also, can, can I bring this to Ukitaki? Because I feel like without Dale here, I, somebody needs to... So, <laughs> yes, I know, no, I'm, I'm all for. I've got a note for as well. So, excellent. Like his coughing and then coughing up blood. Oh yeah, what I love this? you, Ukitaki, but this this whole this whole episode painted him in a really bad light, as if to say, how is this man fit to be a captain? Like, I love Ukitaki, yeah. and there are reasons why he is a captain, but this episode painted him in a really bad light with his really poor timing of his ill health. I was just yeah. like, oh, I can't entirely be helped either if he does have such poor health. But yeah, I mean, for those who I guess are getting to know him, because I mean, we all love Okitaka here. But yeah, at this point, it doesn't exactly paint the greatest picture, unfortunately. He did teach Rukia that really good lesson, but I can understand with the timing of his illness. It'll make some people say, then how did he become a captain? Mm-hmm. But it also like it can also shine a light on that. Appearances aren't everything, and you shouldn't judge a person by an illness or by something that's holding them back because there are other great qualities as well. Like, you can tell how much he cares for his squad. You can tell how much he he feels for Cayenne with um, the whole Miyako incident and how he goes with Cayenne, despite the fact that he may be not 100%. He still puts himself out there. He still tries to avenge and fight Cayenne and fight the hollow in Kyan's body with like risking his own life for the protection. So you can see that there was so much more to Ukitaki than just what we're seeing on the surface. There is that loyalty. There is that, you know, he's got that leadership. He's got a way of, a, a really good way of words and how he just says that whole, that I've noted down as the pride speech. Yes. Because <laughs> um, that's something that is going to, even however many years down the line, more years Ruki, later. Yeah, Rukia is now kind of still remembering that one speech from that one fateful night and putting it into practice for a similar situation, but she's still remembering it. So Ukitaki does, you know, he's there, he's, ve- he's a very prominent figure, and that people shouldn't just look at his illness, no, his illness and what's holding him back, and should look at the other points of him as well. You could tell he respected Cayenne and his wishes because he gave Cayenne the chance to fight on his own and to avenge Miyako and avenge his squad. He understood where um, Cayenne was coming from He gave, and he gave him the chance to do so, which, I mean, shows that he respects them. Unfortunately, it didn't end the way we probably all would have wanted it to, but, I mean, he... You could still tell that he cared and respected Cayenne. Yeah. And he respects him enough to not have replaced him. Because the 13th doesn't have a lieutenant at the moment. And we can, by piecing it together, we can probably assume that they haven't had a lieutenant since Cayenne died. Yeah. That's that's a very honoring tribute within Mm -hmm. itself. And and we could tell how much Cayenne's death affected Ukitaki in the episode where he sees Ichigo for the first time. Mm-hmm. So when they're on that bridge together and Ukitaki stops Byakuya from attacking and then he's like, Byakuya, who is this man? And you can see Ichigo reflected in his in his eyes and he's just in shock. And Byakuya's like, you know, he has no relation or whatever to the man you're thinking of, but um, right. 
it's, yeah. it, it's Ukitaki's face in that moment that you can see he is not over the death of his lieutenant. No, no. Then how could you be? I mean, you, you could tell that they were a close-knit group that cared for one another, and it was a fairly traumatizing experience, as we can definitely see how it affected Rukia. So, I mean, why wouldn't it, in a way, still affect Ukitaki as well? I mean, it was his lieutenant, the one he worked close, the most closely with throughout however long he was the lieutenant. And I bet you for some captains as well, not all of them, because I can't generalize, but some captains, especially captains who are as kind as Ukitaki, like I can see them really taking somebody under their wing and nurturing them into that position of a lieutenant. Mm-hmm. So even although we don't really get the backstory of how Kayan became a lieutenant, I can assume that Ukitaki probably had all kinds of hands in that. So it must be like kind of watching a son die. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't mind filler showing how Kayan became a lieutenant. I would that, love that. Give me all the filler be- backstories. Just give me all of it. So you did notice that when Rukia was recalling the flashback because of the dream that she had um, that night and the regret um, and guilt that she had for what she did, how she felt like she was responsible for Kyan's death. Um, You could also see in part, maybe that is why she's not really having qualms about being executed because she said she she was thinking to herself, she knows the execution is going to be the next day, but she's not really... She wasn't really scared about it or, you know, worried about it. She she almost seemed um, like a mix between resigned and accepting of the fact because she feels like she deserves it after what after what she did to Cayenne. Uh, that's what I picked up on as well is that she's sort of sitting there and she's just like resigned to her fate and part of her thinks she kind of deserves it. Yeah, it's she feels kind of almost lucky that she's managed to get this far and now with this you know the execution and everything that's led up to this point she's like it's my time I I hold my hand up and yes these are the crimes I committed I'm not gonna fight this I will pay for them you know yeah and I bet it's not just a crime of Kayan. I think she also really strongly blames herself for dragging Ichigo into this whole big mess as well yeah. Yes. She feels like she's the one who so-called ruined his life, so to speak. Because yeah. he can never go back to what he once was. So she blames herself for that. She blames herself for Cayenne. So she's... And she also said, um, no, one, no one deserves to lose blood over her. No, no blood should be spilt on her behalf for what she has done. So she, she says... I'm fine with being executed. That's just the way it is. Go on. Cool. Well, will we will we have a look at those uh, anime manga differences then? Yes. Whew. Where do I start? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start with um, just a, a minor one. You guys were talking about how you'd love like filler episodes between with more Miyako and Cayenne and just them being all and Rukia and just them being all like a cutesy little unit. Yes, the, uh, that was actually filler. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, in the anime, the whole group field trip to fight a hollow where Miyako is introduced, and also the scene with them saying goodbye to Miyako is all anime only. Um, in the manga, she's just introduced over that monologue, and then the next time we actually see her, she's on the table. Speaking of groundbreaking major difference, Miyako is dead in the the manga. She doesn't get possessed. Oh! Yeah! So Miyako is dead in the manga. Kain goes out for revenge because they know know the hollow has a nest a bit nearby. Yeah, I recall that. So this leads to more differences, including the hollow lamenting that he didn't eat all of Miyako. And saying, I didn't want to use this again before he possesses Kyan. So this then leads to, we as the manga reader, as we haven't seen what this is that he can possess, it gives a bigger reveal to both us and to Ukitaki and Rukia that he can now, he can apparently possess people. But it alludes to the fact that he's used this possessing power before. Um, maybe he did possess Mayako in the manga and she's the one who killed all the squad members. And then he didn't, he just 
exited from Miyako's body and didn't eat her all. So this whole thing, as um, in the anime, as we know, Miyako is just merely unconscious, um, possessed by the Hollow, which fuels Kyan's revenge, and the Hollow regrets not playing with her more. Yes. So that's like this, and this whole big difference just kind of leads on throughout the whole thing with the whole, the Hollow possessing her, possessing Miyako and Kyan's fueling and the whole reason for Kyan going after her is because they're chasing her because they don't want her to kill anymore. Whereas in the manga, Miyako's dead, so he's going out for revenge and he's going to find the whole, the Hollow with the cabbage head and everything and the feet and everything, so... Cabbage. See, that's how you get it in. <laughs> <laughs> are we going to explain this to the audience, or are we just going to ignore that? <laughs> the challenge was to say the word cabbage, and I did it with it because he has a cabbage head. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Mm. They're going to think we've been watching too much Avatar: The Last Airbender or something with the cabbage guy. <laughs> My cabbages. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, bringing it back, bringing it back. Uh, that's really interesting. That that was like anime, uh, like anime only. I get now. I understand. Like the anime giving us more scenes in Miyako uh, is because we want us to care for her more. Mm-hmm. So that when she does pass away, it's more of an impact. Because if if we barely see her, we've got no attachment to her, so we don't really care really what yes. happens to her no and we don't see what rukia admires about her either if we don't see much of her yeah. yeah exactly i feel like obviously in a manga like in stories and stuff you get away with that a bit more but i feel like on screen you have to show it you have to show it a bit more um and it's so funny actually because i have been re-watching all of bleach again not on the back of this podcast but again again after this with a friend who we play among us with called swiftla and she and I were watching this episode together. And as soon as, like, Miyako was really, really kind to Rukia, she messaged me and she was like, they're going to die, right? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like, this is what, this is a typical thing that, uh, like, TV shows and movies do is that they have to make you care about the character. Otherwise, killing them, there's no point in killing them. Mm-hmm. You know no what I mean? Then, yeah, exactly, exactly. So. Yeah, and I mean, it did have an impact. I mean, oh, yeah. both me and my sister just looked at each other when the Shinigami is like she's unconscious and she's not in any danger. Me and my sister just kind of looked at each other and was like, "Wait, what?" We had to rewatch the scene like a good five times to actually realize. Got so confused because I had forgotten what happened in the anime, and then when the whole possession thing happened, I was like, "Oh my gosh, this makes so much more sense. She's possessed. She's not. That's why she's still alive." And it was such a huge impact impactful shock for us to see that she was kind of possessed and that the hollow need to not I keep wanting to say his name and his name hasn't been revealed yet oh <laughs> uh, yes I don't, it's, it's barely a spoiler let's call him cabbage hollow so it was such a huge such an quite a lot more impactful in the anime I must admit Mm -hmm. even if it was a big shock but that was like the major major difference but there's more differences I'm not finished yet (laughs) oh my god just just one more thing to say about that um yeah um when I did a rewatch, um, it, this isn't the first time I've watched Bleach, and it definitely won't be the last. But when I was rewatching it again, and then they, s- I didn't remember exactly what happened. I mean, I did, I did know, um, you know, in part what was coming. But when they said that the only one that came back alive was Miyako, and she's not in any danger, I was thinking to myself, you know, no, that that just seems way too suspicious there's something else going on here I, I mean i mean even when i watched it the first time i'm like mm, there's something else going on here it can't it can't be that simple that everyone else has been killed off and then that she's the that and that she's the only one that's come back and it's she seems relatively unharmed i was thinking 
there's got to be there's got to be more to this. And then when I did see for the first time that she did get possessed, I'm like, okay, now that makes a little more sense. But I, I just had a sneaking suspicion that that wasn't all there was to it the first time I watched it. Yeah. Can we also just appreciate the fact that there is a hollow, just a, just a hollow, a hollow that has managed to take down a lieutenant in a third seat? Like, yeah. I think we've always taken hollows for granted before because we've seen them getting defeated by high-ranking officers so easily. Mm-hmm. But actually, go. some of, yeah, 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 exactly. But some of them is is some of them are really dangerous. Yeah, you could probably yes. put this hollow on the same kind of level as Grand Fisher because, of course, Grand yeah. Fisher had that reputation for taking down high-ranking officers as well. Mm-hmm. So you kind of got like if hollows had levels, these two hollows would be on the same level ish. Yeah. Because they've they've also got unique powers. Like for for what we've seen of Hollows, they're just like these random things that just you know lumber around, or the big tall ones, the Menace Grandes with the really long Pinocchio noses. <laughs> you don't actually see that. You know these guys could have almost Zampak toe like powers. I mean, you touched his feelers, and Kyan's Zampak toe disappeared. And you know that's not going to be that's not going to be an average hollow ability because we've never heard of it before. It's like these hollows have these unique abilities, kind of like each Zambak toe has a unique ability as well. These aren't your garden variety hollows, so to speak. There, mm-hmm. There's the um, almost like there's ranking of soul reapers. It almost seems like there's a ranking of hollows with abilities too, because again, not. Your average Guardian Variety Hollow would not be able to just make a Soul Reaper's Zanpakuto just disappear. Or, you know, take the form of someone else, like in the case of Grand Fisher. I mean, mm-hmm. I, th- I think as well, because we've, we've seen some Hollows with some abilities that were e- more easily defeated. I'm thinking of the one that attacked Orihime, that could spout the seeds and control other people round, round it. Oh, yeah, Shrika. Yeah, and then we had the one... Numb Chandelier, had- yeah. That was it, yeah, yeah. And then we had, of course, Shrieker as well, the one that, that you know, was the parakeet's hollow that, mm-hmm. that was firing mm. the leeches and things. That's the one, Make yeah. them explode, yes. Yeah, so we've we've met other hollows, but these two, like Grand Fisher and this one, a Cabbage Hollow, seem <laughs> to be on completely different wavelengths. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to, to draw that attention. <laughs> I just wanted to draw that. Maybe that's what hollow is, eh? That guy just got so pissed off of his cabbages that when he died, <laughs> he became a hollow. Anyway. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, anyway. But yes. Anyway. Um, so, just a... It's an, a little different, but it can have like a big implication. And it's actually in Ukitaki's speech. So in the anime, he's listing all of the things that Kain has pride of. And Miyako is Kain's pride above all else. But in the manga, it's Kain's honor that's above all else. So he goes, it's Mia- he's fighting for Miyako's honor, but above all else, he's fighting for his own honor. Whereas in the anime, he was fighting for his own pride, but above all else, he's fighting for Miyako's pride. So Miyako is much more high up on his pride list than it is in the manga but this kind of it then the manga then implies that Kain then blames himself as their lieutenant so he's fighting on his honor as a lieutenant to avenge the deaths of not only his wife but his third seat all the other squad leaders and that's why his that's why it's his honor above all else Part of me sitting here going, what about fucking Ukitaki's honor? Like, that's his lieutenant, that's his third seat, that's his. <laughs> so I could I could see it from the more personal side of, like, wanting to take revenge for the death of his wife. I totally, like, that's relatable to me. And I get that honor and pride and everything are huge in Japan. But I'm also just like, well, why is Kayan's honor so prevalent? And yet Ukitaki's honor, he's just like, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, obviously, when Kayan does get possessed, you know, Ukitaki does go after him. But I'm also just like, up. that's interesting. Does he is he not as prideful or not as honourable? I don't, I don't know. Or maybe so. he just put his own aside for the sake of Kayan's, or mm-hmm. maybe his pride lies in the pride of his uh, lieutenant and his squad mates. Maybe he's letting his he's letting his lieutenant fight his own battles. 
um, because it's more personal to Kyan because it's Kyan's wife. Wife, yeah. So it comes back to the fact that it's his wife. Yeah. Um, another Ukitaki difference is that okay. in the manga, um, there's a whole panel that Ukitaki, after Ukitaki has his coughing fit and Rukia turns up, Ukitaki is then urging Rukia to kill Kayan. He actually shouts, Rukia, kill him, which you don't see in the anime because the anime is all this huge, big, the whole Kayan hollow is just coming towards Rukia. Thank you. Coming towards Vukia and impales himself on the on the sword, which kind of it's in the anime. It's implied that Kyan regained control and sacrificed him on Vukia's um, yeah. and sacrificed himself on Vukia's sword. Whereas in the manga, um, there's a slight difference where Vukia physically moves her sword because the sword's to her side in one of the panels. And then she moves her sword. So she's actually the one that's impaling Kayan on the urging of her captain. So Ukitaki also gave her the permission herself. to kill and to defend herself. Yeah, so it's a lot more impactful that way. Where it's, So she's got a lot, she's going to say that she's got a lot more guilt in the manga because she physically killed him on the urging of her captain. Whereas in the anime, Okutaki wasn't there and wasn't urging him on, and Kayan seemingly self-sacrificed himself because it was the right thing to do. And also, he apologized for putting her into that situation. Mm-hmm. I've got a question. In so, see at the end of the anime where he says that he's leaving his heart right here. Is that still in the manga, or is that not? Yes. Sorry. Yes, it is in the manga. It is in the I remember. Manga. I've read um, that multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna pull it up, and then I was like, "Where did I put my iPad?" <laughs> it's that I didn't put on charge before I went to work. That's awkward. But yeah, no, it's um, yeah, it's in there because we had to go back in the anime to see if it was mentioned in the anime because we weren't sure. Cool. No, that's yeah. cool. Um, so the ending scene in the anime where Okitaki's running towards Bayakura, um, and letting him know that the whole um execution has been changed mm-hmm. that's actually at the start of the manga chapters and it starts off with Ukitaki running to find Bayakura so Bayakura then saying um you've already lost one um you've already lost one lieutenant what's losing one or two more I mean ouch burn Bayakura don't have to be so mean but especially to your sister <laughs> um that whole scene then leads into Ukitaki to stopping and watching Bayakura walk away and then asking Kayan what he would do in this situation. Would you have challenged Bayakura? Would you what would you have done? No, Kayan, you would have taken the path with the most pride. You would have taken the right paths. And then it leads into the flashback. That makes um, more sense. And the, that whole kind mm-hmm. of monologue with Ukitaki asking Kayan what he would do isn't in the anime. They've completely cut that from the anime. Wow. Which is interesting Rude. because Rukia asked Kayan what he would do at one point, and then why don't they have the parallel with Ukitaki during the, doing the same in the anime? That's a little unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. I would have liked to have seen it done that way, actually. That would have made more sense in my head. Mm-hmm. But anyway. I like parallels. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, that is my full A4 page. <laughs> of... There was so much. It was good. There was so much, but yeah. Really good. I- I'll admit, I've not got as many notes for episode 50 as I did for 49 anyway. So like... Neither do I, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's not going to take us as long to get through that one. Um, so we'll move on to episode 50 then. 51. Um, Yes, no yes, yes, 51. Yes, sorry, my apologies, 51. I fine. totally, totally had fine. the right number written down now. I mean, um, we, we're ignoring it, so technically it's the 50th episode of watching, <laughs> but we're ignoring <laughs> the fact that the 50th episode of Bleach was a filler. Yes. What an anniversary. <laughs> so uh, we'll, move, we'll move on to episode 51 then. Um, what did you guys think of this one? It was, it was kind of like a... It was kind of like a run-up. It was setting the scene. We saw a lot more captains, and we saw a little bit more of a relationship between captains. Like I specifically liked um, Komomoa and Tetsuzu Zaymon's 
kind of relationship because again Kumamura is another captain and Kumamura is the guy with the bucket on his head yes just in case none of you picked up his name um they kind of have a really close relationship because again Komamoa calls Tetsuzu Zaymon by his first name he doesn't call him Iba which is his second name he actually calls him Tetsuzu Zaymon which I think is an amazing name it just rolls off the tongue <laughs> it does it does for you I'm not even going to attempt to try it <laughs> it's taken me a while to get Tetsuzu Zaymon yeah <laughs> yeah that guy um, so but then, in a huge contrast, you also get the captain class team of the second squad with this huge kind of hulking, eating his rice oh. cookers kind of oaf, I want to say, of a lieutenant. Yeah. His tiny little yeah. petite, so sweet. Well, not, that's actually, but no, she's not sweet. <laughs> Kill me if I put her sweet. <laughs> but she's just she looks sweet but she's not yeah she's so petite and it's just a huge contrast and they haven't got that kind of from what you've seen they haven't got that kind of same relationship as we've seen in other captains they don't seem close because she calls him Omeda uh, and we don't know whether that's a first name or a last name it's just you know there's something in her Omeda. tone of voice that she's not that kind of close to him I don't think she entirely respects him. Yeah, I can think of another captain and lieutenant where they're clearly two very dynamically different people where the captain is a short shit and the lieutenant is a, <laughs> is a taller... And they seem to get on a lot better than these guys, but yeah, I totally agree. Like, yes. It's a guy who's a short shit. <laughs> I mean, I love he that is. Short shit. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Um, don't tell him I said that. I was going <laughs> to say, the whole squad 10 is going to come down on you like a ton of bricks now. I'm, tell, I'm telling my captain. I'm telling they don't my listen, captain. Well, okay, okay, Geisha <laughs> listens to the podcast, but nobody else does, so it's fine, I'll get away with it. Um, yeah, so the, like, what I had, because I'll admit I did write down, like, Captain of Squad 2, because we could see the number on the back of the Hiori as, as she was walking, so Captain of Squad 2, um, she has her Zanpakuto hanging from her hair. See, I was wondering this, and I don't think it is, actually, I think the hair just overlaps, because we were watching oh. this closely, and we think it is still connected. It looks like it's connected by her hair, but I don't actually think it is. Okay. I don't think it is. Okay. It just looks like it is because of the way her hair hangs, like the two little tassels in her hair okay. hang it's over not connected, it. Though. Hang over. Okay. Okay. Right. That's fine. Because when I saw it, I was like, freaking a fashion choice. But like <laughs> I, something I want to bring up from the last episode we did with Elf, actually, because I think Elf was onto something with the Yes. She really, really, really was. And it wasn't until like she put that seed in my head that I really started paying attention. And if we think back to the fight with um, Uryu versus uh, Miuri, they, like, Uryu manages to draw Reshi from the building. So we know that everything in the Soul Society is made up of Reshi. It's made up of spiritual pressure, spiritual particles, yes. right? Mm -hmm. So yes. I also think that is the sheath of the Zanpakuto is also made of the same thing, so that it 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 disappears in battle, um, and especially Tashiro's, because actually when I watched back the episode of where he pulls his Zanpakuto out against Dean, because I was watching it back with Swiftla, I noticed that it, his sheath disintegrates, and it looks like it's spiritual pressure. It looks like it could be ice. Hmm, it's pretty interesting. I'll have to check that out. Look look at that closer. So yeah, when we any... have, yeah, when we have future battles, it's definitely something to look out for as well, yeah. Yeah, so now we've got an excuse for where all the sheaths disappear to. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> they have yeah. this convenient way of just, you know, getting rid of it instead of it flopping it... around aimlessly yeah. between legs and all that. Yeah, they disappear where all the lost cabbages are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we also get something else quite prominent in this episode I wanted to discuss. Uh, we see that Byakuya is praying to a picture, and when he closes the, I don't know, doors to the picture, there is Hisana, and he says her name Hisana, and she looks like Rukia. She does. She it's does. very strange, isn't it? Like, it's he's got a picture of someone who looks like his adopted sister. I'm, it's a slightly... A little different, but similar. Yeah. Hmm. So I wonder what that's about. Guess mm. we're going to find that out soon. 
stay yes, tuned. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Um, Intriguing. Do, 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 do. Can we just talk about Yachiro because Shiki's not here? <laughs> yeah, we, if we've talked about Ukitaki for Dale, we have to talk about Yachiro for Shiki. Go for it. Yeah, oh, I love so, Yachiro. Yachiro being an adorable, almost probably annoying at this point, hanging off of uh, Ohime. But mainly it's the nicknames that she gives the Karakura. <laughs> we've cracked me up so much. <laughs> we've got Jiggles, Monkey, Muscles, and, and Pencil. pencil. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then er, er, you're pencil. like, wait, did she call me Pencil? <laughs> God. I'm so glad other people picked up on that. Yeah. And then they've got the whole fact that Kenny, this big, like, Kenpachi, this big, strong, I am, everything is about fighting power. Not only does he have Yachiro running around on his back, but he also lets Ohime run around on his back as well. <laughs> I <laughs> love such a huge softie. He's such a softie, isn't he? I love Squad 11 now. Like, these cu- th- this episode and just seeing Kenpachi is just making me love him so much more. Like, he's just... He is an affectionate badass, isn't he? <laughs> he is. I mean, he has this little pink-haired little girl hanging on to his shoulder all the time, and he doesn't seem to care. <laughs> yeah. He's running around, you know, we've got um, Yumichika, we've got Ikaku, and then we've got Maki Maki or Aramaki, and the hungover dudes are like, why is Aramaki with them? You know, it's so surprising to see that this other guy is running around with him as well. <laughs> There's a lot of day drinking that goes on in Bleach, just saying. There's so much. There's so Apparently. much. Apparently. <laughs> Not exactly you, professional, it, but okay. Exactly. In episode 49, we had Sentaro and Kione um, day drinking. And then in this one, you've got these two guys who are meant to be sweeping, but are clearly hungover. So, yeah. <laughs> is this, is Gote 13 life really that stressful that it drives everybody to drink? Yeah. Maybe so. I, I, must I don't be. know. Secrets the of the squads. <laughs> <laughs> the real housewives of the Gote 13, you know. <laughs> the real housewives of the Gote 13. <laughs> I, I totally want that. I mean, what else, what else have they got to do? It's not like they've got football or rugby or anything that they can watch. They've got nothing else that they can consume. No. So, just drinking? Right. Someone right? just someone just needs to go to the world of the living and just bring back a whole bunch of TVs for these guys and a Netflix yeah. password. And just share and- the Netflix password around. <laughs> And a Spotify playlist, please. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they, need, they need some entertainment. on Spotify. <laughs> Dear God. Anyway, um, I didn't really have many other notes for this episode. I think the only thing I had was, like, I think we got Tosin's Shikai, didn't we? When we see him attacking... Yes. Kenny, like, Kenny wants to take them on 41. He's like, fucking brilliant. <laughs> Such a legend. Um, but then, of course, he just ends up fighting the two captains. But Tosin, I'm assuming that that was his Shikai then because he called and then there was an attack with all these blades that fired down. Didn't we also get Kamamoa's? Mm-hmm. I think Kamamoa. so. Question Kamamoa. mark, what was it? The big, I, the, the big hand. Was it the big yeah. hand? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, Tenkin. Yes, Tenkin. Yes. Because we were, well, it, me and my sister went off on a tangent about Bankai's and things that we can't discuss on the podcast because we can't talk about Bankai's yet. But <laughs> <laughs> it did lead to some interesting conversations with regards to Tosin Shikai. Um, because it was very hard to see what Tosin Shikai actually did. Like, just loads of swords just attacking. Which is very curious, which I could probably talk about next episode. <gasps> yeah. I think we're going to be going into a lot of this in more more detail going forward, aren't we? But yeah, it's just like little, we're getting little nuggets there. We're getting little things and things are happening so fast. Like, I don't know about you, but I've noticed the pace is picking up. It is. I mean, it's like the execution's at noon and it's probably, we get more of a time frame in the manga. The manga says five hours, five hours before execution. So right now it's 7 a.m. And I mean, no wonder everybody's hungover because they're being woken up <laughs> at 7 a.m. to work. <laughs> um, Must drink to keep themselves awake or exactly. something. <laughs> and coffee hasn't been invented yet. I don't know. <laughs> get them a Starbucks whilst we're at it get them a Starbucks <laughs> yeah. maybe um, they're just going with tea or just whatever <laughs> so it's 7am in the morning and we've got all these 
captains getting ready. We've got all these fights happening. You've got Bayaka leaving the underground training hall. You've got Ichigo training and probably has been up since the crack of dawn. You've got Kenpachi bursting into four and rescuing criminals, you know. He's gone the, mad. He, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it must be terminal. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there's a, definitely a lot that's happened in the space of a, just just a couple of hours in the lead up to, I think, the whole Rukia's execution being moved forward was a surprise to everybody. Mm-hmm. And you can see it by how everyone is reacting and how people are just kind of spurring on and how the action, as is as you say, is getting more a lot faster and I think in the coming episodes we're going to be jumping around a little bit picking up on different places of where everybody is and trying to figure out everyone's kind of role in what's about to happen yeah, Who, whose side is... they're on are they on the Gote 13 side or are they on mm-hmm. Wukia's side you know right this whole thing is unprecedented with how it's being moved forward so quickly so no doubt everyone's going to be surprised by it so it'd just be interesting to see who who stands where and how they're all reacting to it. Yep. Oof. Oh, I'm excited. We've got loads to we've got loads to look forward to. We've got so much to look forward to. But uh, that's me. I'm done with all my points. What about you two? Um. Have you got your anime manga differences, haven't you? Yeah, but there was none. Oh, was there? Okay. No, there was like hardly. There was. Nothing. I think episode forty nine tapped the manga out, the anime out of manga differences, and they were like, "You know what? We should actually be true to this episode." (laughs) (laughs) No differences there. Um, Oh, the only the only thing is actually is that we get the captain, second captain's name in the manga, but we don't get it in the anime. Oh well, then if it's in the manga, I think we can see it. Yeah, her name is Soifon. 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 Show it to Dex in the in the server. Yes. <laughs> Soyfon obsessed. Um, and my sister, my sister loves Soyfon too. Because the first thing she goes is, "She's so cute." I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is your sister? Is this your sister watching Bleach for the first time? No, no. Oh, okay. I was going to say because nice. I was like, that's probably going to change. <laughs> yeah. No, she she's what she watched Bleach years ago and. We're just kind of rewatching it together, but yeah, if she joins the server, she would probably choose two. Oh, we need more twos. Get it in. I'm joking. <laughs> no pressure. Um, cool. Okay, I need to get then. My well, sister we... to watch it. I mean, I've I been bullying my... all my pals into doing it. Like I, that's been Swiftla has been joined joined the server now, and we're watching it together. Like I'm bullying her into it. Yeah, I need to drag my sister into it. I mean, like you know, you're getting me into all these Korean dramas. I'm going to get you into anime. Come on. Yes, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, Cool. Okay, then. Well, have we got anything for delving into the darn guy? There is something, just a little... Something that's been shared on Twitter. Uh, We spoke a couple of episodes about Club Outside, the official Kubo fan club. Um, well, they are going to be doing a watch party using Amazon Prime um, to watch Burn the Witch, and you can watch this along with Kubo himself. So it's probably all going to be in Japanese, um, and Kubo himself is going to be there. And you, Amazon Prime apparently has a watch party feature. Mm. I didn't know that. Um, so they're going to be watching Burn the Witch with Kubo. So Cool. If you have access to Club Outside and want to take part, check it it? out. That's a question. (laughs) It may or may not have passed. It It may may or may not have passed by the time this episode comes out. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, go and look it up. It's up to you listeners to go and... The souls listening need to go and look it up. (laughs) It's posted on Kubo's official Twitter, which is at... Taite underscore official. Cool. All right. Uh, well, that brings us into our Shinigami Cup Peroxide edition. <laughs> so we'll start these <laughs> awards off with who wore it best in. Okay. Um, so my who wore it best is Kenny and his double backpack. 
<laughs> I did not like that one. No, <laughs> okay, mine is um, how everyone looks in the credits. I like the song Happy People. It's cheery. Everybody just, you know, hanging out, doing their thing. So I'll give everybody little props in that one. I must commend the photographer, actually, because how they managed to get all those captains, those male captains sitting on a step looking that cool. Like, they must have, they must have <laughs> yes. had to do some serious, like, brag it, like, like some serious bargaining to get the the captains to sit like that. I blackmailed them with something. something yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bribed them. Uh, okay, my who would it best was of course uh, the cabbage hollow that wore Miyako. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, like a big meat suit. Yeah. Uh, cool. Best uh, ship. My best ship is Ishida and the Butterfly. Oh no, you Aww. stole mine! <laughs> I love that one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so like, God is like, yeah, you go talk to the pretty butterfly, Ernie. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know, maybe he's cracked or it must be terminal, depending on what you're watching. But yeah, yeah, she just looks so, I don't know, high. He does, he does. Well, you stole mine, so we'll come to Shini. Shini, what about you? He's just in love with the butterfly. First, love at first sight. Okay, no, all right, I'm done. Um, I have to give this to Kyan and his wife Miyako. Aww. It is is sweet and sad, but I, and it and it is an actual ship in there. Believe it or not, shocker. I know, but they deserve an honorable mention. Okay, double take. Mine is the whole Miyako not being dead thing. Because, <laughs> of course, <laughs> it did take us a couple of wee watches and we were scrolling through the manga and definite, there was, that was definitely a huge double-take moment for me. Um, when he says the word, she's unconscious and then is, no, is in no danger. And I'm looking at the, a manga panel that's literally saying, they're all dead. And I'm like... Big difference. That's my talking? talking, Willis? <laughs> Yep, and that's so that's my double take. Mine was basically um, the battle uh, between Kyan and the cabbage-headed Hollow, um, just because I mean we could see where Hollows have the. We were talking about the unusual powers that these Hollows have, and then the fact that he made Kyan's Zanpato just disappear all of a sudden. I was like, well, wait a minute, am I missing something? Because I know that the Zanpaktos transform when they go into Shikai. Um, so for a second, I thought it was part of the transformation. Like, wait, no, it's gone. The ho- the hollow did that? So I I was kind of like, had to do a little double take there. And ju- just that whole scene and battle. And then, you know, Kyan being transformed and then rushing at Rukia. That, that whole situation was a big double take for me. Mine is, is you know, I prefer to do a funny one if I can, and my double take for this one was definitely Yachiru calling Uru pencil. Because <laughs> it's funny for so many, like, obviously she's meaning it incredibly innocent, but it could mean something else totally not. God, so, no. <laughs> I'm just, I, I it just, it, it made me laugh on several levels. <laughs> And then I just lo- love how he pauses and is like, did she just call me pencil? <laughs> um, anyway. And that brings us into our fandom shout outs then. So Naomi, will you? Okay. So this is a really striking piece of artwork. And it ties in a little with what we spoke about today because it depicts the Grand Fisher fight between Ichigo and Grand Fisher. And the art style and the colors used in this is literally just jaw-dropping. It is by Retro Space Punk on Tumblr. Oh. And there we oh, go. look at that. I love that. Oh, wow. That's that, so cool. And that literally, is awesome. Yeah, I was... I had quite a few fandom shoutouts because all of a sudden my Twitter has just started recommending me bleach fan art and i'm like oh twitter's doing something right and <laughs> most of the time randomly it's aizen and ichigo fan work and i'm like eh <laughs> and and i get the odd i get the odd others but then i was scrolling through tumblr and this popped up and it's the colors are just so striking it's such it suits their name as well retro space punk it's got a very kind of retro theme to it mm-hmm. but yeah i love the, i love the feel yeah, this just it, kind of jumped out at me, and I'm like, that is amazing. 
It's the harsh outlines. See that really thick outline? It's like black yes. and then white. Yeah. That's so unique to that artist because if you look at that sword, it's got like a, a thick black outline but then a small white outline on the outside of the black. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really popping. That's really lovely. I love that. I like that. That is that's awesome. super cool. Definitely. And I love the fact that Rookie has reflected in Ichigo's blade. Like, oh, that's Me super too. cool. Yep. That's super cool. And then you have all the hollows in the background. I mean, you got Grand Fisher, you got the, um, you got a Menos, and then you got a Centipede hollow, and then you, uh, Fisher D, and that's just, wow. And of course, in typical Bleach fashion, it's all in the rain. Yes. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very well done. Very well done. Love it. Love it. Sheenie, what have you Bravo. got for yours? Okay, mine isn't exactly related to the episodes, but it's still an awesome Bleach one. It, um, it is by uh, someone called Biaruki on Tumblr or Nara Reigns on um, Archive of Our Own and fanfiction.net. She's done a couple of uh, Bleach fanfics, and there's this one that she has, um, which is uh, no- shortened to be called... Um, the moon arc and it is one of the longest fanfics i have ever read i mean we're talking like over four hundred thousand words and growing did you and... not read going for gold <laughs> i haven't read that one yet okay oh okay okay i, was <laughs> I will say. it's on it's on my to-do list i love I mean... your shameless plug there <laughs> I, i'm just i was like i was like well how big how long is it going to be give me a figure that was in my head i was sitting there going give me a figure how long how long because going for gold took us two years to write five hundred thousand words uh well that one the last time i checked it was four hundred thousand, and i think she posted several more chapters which i haven't read yet and so, I mean, I absolutely love it. It has, it's, um, she's kind of filling in uh, in her own way um, some mysteries behind Rukia's background or things that didn't get explained in the series. Um, so, of course, you know, it does have a fan um, fic um, edge to it, but I mean, it had me hooked. I was loving it. I'm invested. She's including so many um, canon characters and her um, OCs are done so well. And I was just sucked into that, um, into that story. And as soon as I saw that she updated like several chapters at once, I practically died. Have you got the link there? Have you got the link that you can post in the podcast host chat? Uh, yes, I do. I have it in my favorites. Let me pull it up. Uh, plus, no I want to stock it. Has it got a, has it got a ship? Um, actually, it is not. Sh- it's not ship worthy. It doesn't Ooh. have a ship in it, really. So it's kind of interesting for a fan fiction. Yeah, <laughs> I was expecting yeah. it. Yeah, I was expecting it to have a ship, and I was gonna be like tentatively read tags because I'm that kind of person. I'm open. Yeah, there we go. I'm that type of person. Oh, oh there, there we go. What did you do? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, did I disappear? You, you did. did. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I probably should have opened that in a different window. That's probably what happened. Um, but yeah, I was pull, um, pulling up the link that I can post right now. Um, but yeah, it is not a ship one. But it, I absolutely love it. Well, whilst we're waiting for that, I'll, uh, I'll discuss mine. I managed to find a fantastical, magical piece of cayenne artwork. <sighs> oh. I know. I know, I know. Be prepared, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, this piece is done by um, V-R-E-N... No, hold on. Let me try it again. V-R-E-D-N-0-A. So V-R-E-D-I-N-0-A. And I'm going to be putting the, the link and things in the podcast description. This piece of fan work uh, that I'm posting just now has... <sighs> <laughs> so much going on. It's it. Number one, he just looks crack-a-lacking. We can see that yes. he's pulling his zampak toe from his sheath, and there's like a blinding light off his zampak toe, and it just is so good. That is, I the the whole the light reflection of um the light reflection of the blade of the zampak toe is so striking. That's what draws your eye to it first. And then you look up and the whole perspective of it as well, like it's really hard. It's really hard to draw, but I can't imagine it's easy to draw of that kind of perspective because you've got the angle of which he's holding and the, pulling leaning. the sword out and leaning and everything. Yeah. And 
the look of determination mm-hmm. on his face is yeah definitely worth checking that one out definitely worth checking all of these out um so all the links to all these will be in the description down below have we got any more for any more no naomi what about any any last stuff for you you all good i'm all good all good in the head well then you wonderful beautiful souls that is the end of another episode if you like what you heard and you want to get involved you can find us by searching for the serite on facebook tumblr and instagram and t serite on twitter each of these platforms will link you to our fantastically deadly discord family where you can chat with us about the show read fan fiction take part in creative challenges and talk anything and everything bleach now, Just be aware, Leffen likes shaking to death anyone that joins, so be prepared. <laughs> I'm, I'm not allowed to do that anymore. I need consent before I can do that now, apparently. Anyway, uh, Ichigo and Rukia might reap souls, but we are hoping to reap some five-star reviews, and that is where you come in. Make like our favourite orange-haired protector and Ichigo to iTunes to rate us, review us, and make us feel like number one. <laughs> to those of you listening on YouTube, don't forget to be like Chad and give us that good, good thumbs up. We really appreciate it. On the next episode of the podcast, we'll be covering anime episodes 52, Renji, Oath of the Soul, Death Match with Byakuya, and 53, Maru's Temptation, Resolution Shattered. We'll see you souls then. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.